RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. Beijing formally gives the go-ahead for sweeping electoral changes in Hong Kong. The chief executive says RTHK's new boss is living up to her expectations as several contentious programmes are withdrawn. And the bar industry laments that funds are running dry as hopes of an Easter reopening are dashed. Hong Kong's sole delegate to the MPC Standing Committee, Tamu Chung, says members unanimously approved amendments to Hong Kong's basic law to pave the way for drastic changes to the SAR's electoral system. Priscilla Ng reports. Tam Yu Chung says the 167 standing committee members gave a huge round of applause after the unanimous decision. The amendments will enable drastic changes to the SAR's electoral system to achieve Beijing's goal of ensuring only patriots govern Hong Kong. One change includes expanding the role of the election committee that chooses Hong Kong's leader so that in future it will also take part in nominating LegCo candidates, even picking some legislators itself. There will be changes to the size, composition and method of forming the election committee. Mr. Tam also said the committee would be expanded from the current 1,200 to 1,500 strong members, but all 117 district councillor seats would be scrapped. The body instead will consist of more CPPCC delegates as well as members of groups that love the country and love Hong Kong. The pro-Beijing stalwart added that after the legislature is expanded from 70 to 90 seats, 40 of the seats will go to people handpicked by the election committee. 30 of the seats will consist of functional constituency members, while only 20 will be chosen by eligible voters in the geographical constituencies. Mr. Mr. Tam added that the place's National Security Unit, as well as the government's Committee for Safeguarding National Security, would be responsible for vetting the eligibility of those intending to run for public office. A vetting committee will then finalise a list of candidates. He said the two units were given the responsibility because they're familiar with the national security law and could ensure that threats to national security won't make it into the SAR's political system. Hong Kong officials are expected to brief the media on the changes later today. Speaking before the weekly Executive Council meeting this morning, the Chief Executive, Carrie Lam, played down concerns expressed by foreign governments that citizens will no longer be able to vote for pro-democracy candidates. She said the changes were simply about ensuring that patriots run Hong Kong. They have to fulfil a requirement, which actually is in our electoral laws, that they have to bear allegiance to the um, Hong Kong SAR and also to uh, uphold the basic law. So uh, the purpose of this electoral reform is this one. So for people who hold different political beliefs, who are more inclined towards more democracy, or who are more conservative, who belong to the left or belong to the right, as long as they meet this very fundamental and basic requirement, uh, I don't see why they could not uh, run for election. Meanwhile, Mrs Lam says RTHK is a government department and must follow regulations. She was commenting after three television programmes were pulled from the public broadcaster's schedule at short notice. RTHK said the episodes were inaccurate and biased. The decision was made by an editorial panel comprising management and the new director of broadcasting, Patrick Lee. Mrs Lamb said Mr Lee was acting within his remit as chief editor.
The director of broadcasting is not just a department head. He has also been given the mandate and the position and the responsibility as a chief editor. So in other words, whatever programs that come out of RTHK that are not fulfilling or bridging those rules and regulations or even bridging the law, then the director of broadcasting has to be held responsible. That's why he has to be very cautious, and I have to recognize what he has done. Since taking office, he has been very conscientious and uh, doing exactly what I expect from a chief editor of RTHK. The chairman of the Lan Kwai Fong Group, Alan Zeman, says he expected bars might have been allowed to partially reopen in time for the Easter break and estimates around 35% of them have gone out of business during the pandemic. Yesterday, the government announced that beaches, swimming pools and playgrounds could start reopening from Thursday and venues such as cinemas and theme parks could increase their capacity to 75%. Mr Zeman described the ongoing closure of bars, nightclubs and karaoke parlours as a nightmare. They've been now closed since November. (laughs) It's now going on almost six months. And, you know, almost no business that I know can survive without having any customers uh, and being closed for so long, and especially without any subsidies for them. And so uh, they've been crying desperately to me because they were hoping to be open by Easter. The Secretary for Health, Sophia Chan, has described the current easing of restrictions as mere adjustments and says it's too risky to relax all measures. Several medical experts have warned against easing measures and reopening shuttered venues. Epidemiologist Professor Benjamin Cowling from the University of Hong Kong said he'd prefer actions to be taken only after new daily infections had been at zero for some time. I'm a little bit worried that we haven't quite got to zero and if we relax everything, there's an increased risk of an outbreak like the gym outbreak or maybe an outbreak somewhere else, which sets us back and then we might need to bring measures back. But on the other hand, if we have a bit of luck in the next couple of weeks, then maybe we will get to zero anyway. Overseas, President Biden has implored US governors and mayors to continue to require people to wear face coverings in public. He said masks were crucial because reckless behaviour was causing a rise in COVID infections in the United States. As I do my part to accelerate the vaccine distribution and vaccinations, I need the American people to do their part as well. Mask up. Mask up. It's a patriotic duty. It's the only way we ever get back to normal. He made the appeal after the director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued an emotional warning about the spread of COVID-19. Rochelle Walensky said she had a feeling of impending doom. A monitoring group says more than 500 people have been killed in Myanmar in a crackdown on protests against the February 1st military coup. The Assistance Association for Political Prisoners said it had confirmed a total of 510 civilian deaths but warned the true toll was probably higher. More than 100 people were believed killed by security forces on Saturday, the worst day of violence since the coup. The first day of the trial of the former policeman accused of killing George Floyd has ended in the US city of Minneapolis after both sides set out their opening arguments. Derek Chauvin denies charges of manslaughter and murder. One prosecutor said Mr Chauvin squeezed the very life out of of Mr Floyd, but a defence lawyer, Eric Nelson, argued that Mr Floyd's poor health and drug use had contributed to his death. The evidence will show that Mr Floyd died of a cardiac arrhythmia that occurred as a result of hypertension, his coronary disease, the ingestion of methamphetamine and fentanyl, and the adrenaline flowing through his body.
all of which acted to further compromise an already compromised heart. Vessels are once again sailing through the Suez Canal after a huge container ship stuck across the channel for nearly a week was refloated. The Canal Authority chairman said a backlog of hundreds of vessels waiting to use the waterway would be cleared within days. 12% of world trade goes through the Suez Canal. An insurance broker, Marcus Baker, said lessons needed to be learned. This has had such a big impact. Exactly what's happened here will be debated for some time. What do we do to ensure it doesn't happen again? I would leave that to the competent authorities that are in Egypt to decide how they want to make sure that traffic transits safely. Because, look, it's in their interests to do that. They've got a revenue stream that's important to them. It's a major artery for the world, so none of us want to see this happening again. New research shows that rising imports of coffee, cocoa and other products in wealthy countries are posing a growing threat to forests in tropical regions. The BBC's Matt McGrath reports. Trees that grow in the world's tropical areas are the most valuable in protecting species and limiting global heating. But forests in the Amazon, Central Africa and parts of Asia are increasingly being cut down to grow commodity products like coffee and soybeans for export. The authors link specific countries to specific threats. So German demand for cocoa is putting forests at risk in Ghana, while the Japanese taste for sesame seeds is threatening Tanzania's trees. And even as richer countries plant more trees in their own forests, their imports are causing more destruction in the developing world. The space agency NASA plans to carry out detailed studies of how space affects the heart after scientists confirmed that long periods spent in low gravity caused it to shrink. Researchers studied an astronaut as well as a swimmer who'd crossed the Pacific. Both men's hearts shrank by up to a quarter, although they later returned to normal. Further research will, will be vital before NASA sends humans to Mars, because a round trip could take more than two years. Professor Benjamin Levin from the University of Texas led the study. Astronauts are middle-aged men and women. And if I ask myself, what is the single most catastrophic medical problem that could occur that would be life and mission threatening, it's a heart attack. So we screen the astronauts pretty well before they fly. But over time, just like any other person on the planet, they develop hypertension and elevated cholesterol. They get the diseases of Western society. In finance, a US investment fund has admitted it's facing a challenging time after several major banks blamed it for potentially costing them billions of dollars. Regulators around the world are monitoring the crisis at Arkegos Capital Management. The Japanese bank Nomura and Credit Suisse warned they were facing huge losses. Ostenza Alia is a correspondent for the Financial Times in New York. I think initially the banks had sort of tried to keep this on the down low. It really came to a head on Friday when traders were frantically calling people asking why there were billions and billions of blocks of sales on the market. I think pretty quickly people realized that something had happened to a big hedge fund or to a big firm. This is an age-old debate about whether you should be allowed to use what we call swaps and derivatives to build positions in companies. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,664. That's 336 points up on the previous close. Currency is at the US dollar trading at 109.93 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 17 cents. And the pound will get you 10 Hong Kong dollars and 71 cents. Sport now, here's Atom Chung.
We start with football and Manchester City's all-time top scorer Sergio Aguero will leave the English club at the end of the season. The 32-year-old has been told that his contract will not be renewed. Aguero joined from Atletico Madrid in 2011. He scored 257 goals in 384 appearances for City. And that includes the famous injury time winner against QPR in 2012, which clinched City's first English title in 44 years. Injuries have limited the Argentine to just nine starts this season, scoring three times. Aguero is the fourth highest goal scorer in English Premier League history. He trails only former England internationals Alan Shearer, Wayne Rooney and Andy Cole. Poland's star striker Robert Lewandowski will miss his country's World Cup qualifier against England tomorrow night. He scored twice against Andorra on Sunday but picked up a knee injury. Poland trailed the leaders England by two points in their group. Wales have released three players from their squad ahead of tomorrow's qualifier against Czech Republic for breaching COVID protocols. More from the BBC's Mas Faruqi. Yeah, the Football Association of Wales has released a statement today confirming that three players, so West Brom's Hal Robson-Carnu, Leeds' Tyler Roberts and Rabbi Matondo, have all been released from the Welsh camp after breaching protocol. They add that the players will be returning to their respective clubs this afternoon but wouldn't specify the nature of the breach. But Tyler Roberts has apologised on social media, suggesting that the breach in question was for staying up too late and apologising for that. As, as our listeners know, it's been a difficult camp for Wales. They lost their opening World Cup qualifier last week to Belgium. And police have confirmed that they are investigating after Rabbi Matondo was one of two players racially abused on social media over the weekend after their friendly against Mexico. Meanwhile, the Wales captain Gareth Bale says he'd be ready to join a boycott to tackle online abuse after teammates Matondo and Ben Cabango were targeted at the weekend. Thierry Henry is one of those who's already decided to step away from Twitter and Instagram until various platforms do more. In tennis, world number one and defending champion Ash Barty is through to the quarterfinals of the Miami Open. That's after a 6-1-1-6-6-2 victory over Victoria Azarenka. And in cricket, Steve Smith says he would be keen to return as Australia's captain if the national selectors wanted him. Smith lost his captaincy and was banned from leadership roles for at least two years for his part in the ball tampering scandal in 2018. And that's your look at sports. To end the news, the top stories again. Beijing formally gives the go-ahead for sweeping electoral changes in Hong Kong. The chief executive says RTHK's new boss is living up to her expectations. And the bar industry laments that funds are running dry as hopes of an Easter reopening are dashed. The news from RTHK. The government provides public COVID-19 testing services through different channels. Those without symptoms but feel they have a higher risk of exposure can visit designated public clinics or other distribution points to obtain free test kits. Those having compulsory tests can visit community testing centers for free testing. The centers also provide self-paid services to those needing test reports for personal use. If feeling ill, see a doctor promptly and don't go elsewhere. No matter how fit we are, it is important to get vaccinated to prevent COVID-19. 
All along, we have received different vaccines to prevent infections. Vaccines will help create antibodies and memory in our immune system. When we come into contact with viruses in future, our immune system will quickly resist them. It is the simplest and most effective method to protect ourselves and others. Let's get vaccinated. It's you. 